Hi, I'm Michael Rueda, and welcome to Leveling the Playing Field, a podcast series where I will explore issues and considerations relevant to those who are making a career out of their talent. My guests, who are experts in their field, will join me each week to dig deep into topics such as intellectual property and protecting your brand, contracts with advisors and agents, and tax and estate planning, to name a few. I hope you enjoy listening to these podcasts as much as I enjoy hosting them. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy. My guest today is Dave Lane. Dave is a partner at Withers with extensive experience in federal and state income, estate tax, and gift tax. Dave's clients include investors, entrepreneurs, athletes, entertainers, senior level executives, family offices, and fund managers. His practice includes structuring investments and acquisitions, asset protection and preservation, and trust and estate planning. Dave frequently uh, lectures and is regularly quoted in the Wall Street Journal and various other professional journals and newsletters. Dave, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump right in with uh, some questions that I've, uh, that I've always wanted to ask you, specifically focusing on how your practice relates to uh, the sports and entertainment world. So right off the bat, generally speaking, what is the process that... Um, for example, athletes tend to follow when they approach you for advice. Do their, you know, assuming they have a financial advisor or someone in that space, are they working with, with you or someone like you right when they begin their professional careers? Or are they waiting for subsequent significant life events to happen in order for uh, your advice to really become necessary to them? Well, what they actually do is a little bit of everything. Some come in early, some come in later. It, part of it's a question of what type of sophistication their other advisors have and whether their other advisors recognize the need to get people like myself involved. So to the extent we can get involved earlier, it's part of a team process where you, they have a, usually a financial advisor, an accountant, and a lawyer trying to help them guide their process of how to protect their assets, which is a huge issue, especially for young professional athletes. They're getting a significant amount of money earlier in their lives than most anyone ever does. And because of their somewhat celebrity status, there's always potential conflicts or uh, issues that may arise that are much more prevalent in that type of world than it would be for a uh, an individual who graduates from college and goes on to a regular job type of situation. So the, one of the biggest things we do initially is try to set up a process and a structure to protect those assets that they're going to be acquiring. And at the same time, trying to weave in their long-term financial goals to, to kind of maximize their ability to have a, a long period of of wealth that's acquired and retained and grows and the, the things that they really want. And when you're in your 20s or sometimes even teens, it's, it's a long way out. And sometimes people don't really focus on that. So we try to help focus on that by our experiences and dealing with other people that are in similar situations. You, you've touched upon my next question, which is, you know, athletes, in particular, tend to accumulate successful athletes tend to accumulate wealth really early in their careers. Uh, can you touch upon some of the strategies, the vehicles that you implement to to help them protect that wealth 
and and achieve their long-term financial goal? It's a combination of uh, creating generally some trust that uh, will protect their assets from what may be a creditor or somebody trying to sue them. Uh, it's also as they enter into arrangements for investments or other uh, types of uh, joint ventures that trying to protect their assets and uh, avoiding guarantees, uh, limiting some of the guarantees, limiting their requirements to to actually uh, overpay for what their investments might be. And I think, you know, you'll, we've all read the horror stories in newspapers, how individuals who have made a significant amount of money, especially in the world of athletics in their career when they're young. And by the time they're 40, they have basically nothing to show for it. And part of that is bad investing. Part of that is overspending. Part of that is lack of protection. So we try to kind of help weave all those things together. So setting up a structure, which includes some trust, includes some review of agreements and protecting them as they get into various types of investments and uh, relationships to uh, protect what they have. From an estate planning perspective, are the structures or the strategies that you implement much different for pro athletes that, again, accumulate wealth really, really early and accumulate substantial wealth really early? Do they differ from in the strategies that you, uh, you implement or that you recommend for a- a clients of yours that are not athletes, like executives or or other, you know, other types of clients that you have, generally speaking? It's not really different. I mean, first of all, there's, it's something where each individual has their own uh, ideas and desires about how they want their money uh, addressed when they're gone, who should get it, how it should be spent, how it should be protected. But for anybody, it's an ongoing process. Everyone's goals change over time, circumstances change. So it's not a situation where you you create a structure and then it's good for the next 40 years. Even for someone who's 60 years old, we see that by the time they're 70, they may have changed their ideas and we change their plan. So it's something that we review on either every one or two year basis to see that we're still meeting their goals, meeting their ideas, addressing their change circumstances or opportunities. Sometimes it's tax law changes that require some changes in the structure. So the best we could do is create a plan for today and then review that plan to be sure it still fits as time goes on. That makes a lot of sense. And, and touching on uh, tax law changes, how much does an athlete's residence impact your overall advice? I know over the last couple of years, it's become increasingly important, in particular with the cap on the salt deductions. Uh, but does it have other impacts beyond just state tax? Does it impact your uh, estate planning advice? It does. Uh, some states have an estate tax in addition to an income tax. So that can have an effect on how we uh, address some of their issues for their wealth. Uh, there's been a lot written recently, like you were just saying, about how athletes, uh, entertainers, anyone who is performing their trade in a state that has an income tax, even if they don't live there, has to pay a tax, a state tax for the money they make while in that state. So if you have an individual who is playing for a team in New York or California, 
right. and half of their games are at home, they're paying a tax, even if they may be a Florida resident, because they're they're spending half of their time making half of their money in that either New York or California, they're paying state income tax. Uh, so if if you try to match up the, there's been some great articles on this, an individual, an athlete who's uh, uh, playing for the Texas Rangers versus playing for, you know, the California Angels, a huge difference in what happens on the estate tax side because half of their gains either in a, a non-tax state or in a tax state. So it's something we look at, obviously, from the athlete's perspective and his financial advisors and whoever is doing his negotiating, he's got to decide whether the team fits what he wants in the way of long-term goals about winning games, winning championships, uh, maybe media attention, endorsement deals. Uh, So at the end of the day, you don't want a situation where the state tax is driving the process because it's somewhere 10% or less in just about every state. But because if, if endorsement deals would make him, allow him to make more money, even than what his contract might be, you might say if he's in a state where it's more important to be there, you know, for, say, New York, um, uh, at the end of the day, you've you got to look at weigh all the uh, opportunities and advantages and disadvantages. Mm. You, you touched upon the state law impacts, but as, as far as uh, federal tax law changes in the last couple of years, we saw changes that did impact athletes and agent uh, athletes and entertainers, like the loss of deductions for agents or agent fees or agency fees. Are there uh, mechanisms, vehicles, strategies to minimize the impact of some of those changes? Some people try to create a corporation essentially for the athlete to be employed by and have all the contracts being addressed through this contract, through this corporation. And as a business, the corporation is allowed to take deductions that the individual might not be able to take. So uh, uh, you and I, Mike, have been involved in some of these where we create these entities who, who essentially are a way for the individual to, to obtain these deductions, which, if you're paying uh, close to 40% federal tax plus perhaps close to 10% state tax, you know, you're, you're going to be saving 50 cents on the dollar if you can have these expenses, which like agent fees and many other type of expenses that the athletes incur in order to generate this wealth be deductible. So uh, it's one of the things we try to do. And presumably, like the advice you give with any plan or, or structure, the structure for a, uh, a corporation or, or a vehicle like this is something that needs to be reviewed on a constant basis, you know, in light of potential tax law changes in the future and changes, uh, you know, in the individual situation. Would you agree? Definitely agree. I, I think the most important thing that any individual who is um, making a significant amount of wealth should do, whether it's an athlete, entertainer, whoever, in the executive, uh, they need to have a good team around them. It's no one person is going to do everything. They should have a good accountant. They should have a good financial advisor, a good attorney, and uh, a good agent to help uh, with their negotiating. So, and that group, if they work together as a team, 
there'll be much more than the sum of their parts. They'll, they'll provide this individual with such a, a greater sense and value that the, any one of them could ever do. If, if they're not working together, it's the athlete or the entertainer that's going to get hurt in the long run by it. So you really, as, as that athlete or entertainer, you're looking to make sure that your team works as a group and that that'll, that'll see this process going on annually because they'll all be talking to each other and they'll all be looking out for the athlete's best interest. That's a really important point. Uh, you know, I think, um, people overlook how important it is to be surrounded by a group of people who are, uh, have expertise in very different fields and can work together and communicate with each other on an ongoing basis. Anyway, Dave, I want to thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate uh, your time. Um, I enjoy working with you and it's good to have some time to pick your brain because we don't always have the time to do that. Thanks, Mike. Great working with you also.